Well, all right, today we're, we're continuing this series called Just Wondering, and so many of you know the history of this series, but it came out of a bunch of questions that I've just gotten through through years of being a pastor that people have asked me either by email, um, you know, in the halls, over coffee, over lunch, whatever, and it usually starts out just wondering. Hey, I was just wondering, what do you believe about this? What does the Bible teach about this? Now, listen, God has done some great things in our other two services, but, but you know what? I've had unbelievable conversations. It's even been hard for me to get back to a service on time just because of the conversations this stimulated. And so as a result of that, and because of some of the, conversa- some of the comments I got, I'm probably going to even be a little bit more direct with you to help clear up all of you know, everything about this issue. So today we're going to look at this issue is, can I lose my salvation? Is it possible to be eternally secure? Is it possible to know that I am that I have eternal life, and, and I'm not going to lose that, that I have security in him. Now, next week, we're going to look at the subject, does God forgive every sin? And then following week, we're going to look at the subject, will I be judged? What happens in heaven? I've heard about that whole deal. What happens in heaven? Don't miss the next two weeks. Now, October 22nd, 23rd is also an important weekend when we're going to talk to you. We're going to just take a break from this series, and we're going to look at the, the, the future and the vision of Fellowship of the Rockies. You know we're growing exponentially right now. We're packing out Saturday night service, this service, early service. And so I have a proposal to bring to the elders tonight and their blessing and all of that. And you guys just continue to pray for us. And then October 22nd, 23rd, we're going to talk about where we're headed and how we're going to assimilate the growth that God has given us. Because too much is given, much is required. And God has given this church much. And much is required out of this church. Now today, we're going to look at this subject of can I lose my salvation. Now, I think there's three different stances that people take, or there's three different conditions, if you will, that people will take in this issue of security. So there's false security, which is the most dangerous. I'll I'll give them all three to you just real quickly, and we'll run back through them. But okay, so the most dangerous, false security. There's conditional security. There's biblical or eternal security. Now, of the three, the most dangerous is this issue of false security. It's this, this, this issue of believing that you're a Christian, believing that you have a relationship with God when, in fact, you, you don't. Uh, of the three, that is probably the one that just, as a pastor and a preacher, that just burdens me. Here's, here's what Jesus said. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, 21 and 23, he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of, of the Father who is in heaven. And on that day, many will say to me, Not a few, many, many, will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? So, okay, so this is a Bible-believing church they're a part of. This is an aggressive church. This isn't a feel-good, liberal church at all. This is a church that taught and preached the Word of God that they're in. So they're in an aggressive church. They're in a Bible-believing church. This isn't a lightweight church. Did we not prophesy? Did we not preach your Word? Did we not preach in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? And did we not do mighty works? Did we not do miracles in your name? And then, he says, I'll declare to them, then depart from me. I never knew you. You didn't have a relationship with me. See, the most dangerous one of these is this issue of false security where people believe 
that I am going to heaven because of some religious rite, because of some religious ritual, because of a sacrament, because of something that I do, because I attend church, because I say I believe in God. You know, you, you can go through the list. And the most dangerous of these is this issue of false security to where people believe that I'm going to heaven because of something that I do. Now, let me, let me give you, just so we clear this up, let me give you maybe the two different, and then we'll give you the biblical the- theology, but when you come to this issue of salvation, there is one group that will, will teach that, that uh, faith plus good works equals salvation. That it's not enough just faith. It's faith because something that you do, church attendance, a ritual, a sacrament that you take the juice or you take the wine, you take the bread, it is something that you do. In fact is, if you miss church, you may have lost your salvation, right? Now, let's just be clear. This is basic Catholic theology. Salvation is faith plus a bunch of stuff that you do. There's another thought. says something like this. Salvation is faith minus works. Just believing in God. Now, this is basic Protestant Baptist theology that they turn the sinner's prayer into like a sacrament, even though they complain about the Catholics doing that kind of stuff. To where, the, to where you're saved as long as you prayed the magic prayer, you've said the magic words, you've walked the aisle, you've lifted a hand, you've responded in some way. Now then, you can live life from that point on as hellish as you want to live. You can live life from that point on. It doesn't matter how you live. It doesn't matter what bed you sleep in. It doesn't matter what decisions you make. It doesn't matter anything about that. All that matters is that you prayed the prayer. Doesn't matter anything about your life, about your testimony, about your works. <laughs> In other words, I've been baptized, homogenized, pasteurized, purified, purated. I prayed the prayer, I'm going to heaven. Biblical theology is this. See, that's easy believism. Biblical theology is this. Faith, salvation, and stay with me, plus works, salvation. Now, we know, and I teach, gospel is not what you do. It is what has been done for you. But dues should flow out of the done. See, you are not working your way to heaven. The dues should flow out of the done. If you have accepted Christ, if there has been transformation in your life, then the works in your life are proof that there's been an internal change. The works in your life come because, you know what? I've been changed. Christ has come into my life. I have been forgiven. I have the gift of eternal life. Fact is, the New Testament knows nothing of easy believism. The New Testament knows nothing of people that just pray a simple prayer, live life however they want to know submission, awareness of God. Everywhere in the New Testament, people who met Christ, 
See, false security is the most dangerous one. And if religious leaders aren't careful, they can give people false security because they want to build big churches. They don't want to offend anyone. That is not me. Fact is, I did a funeral many years back, and, and a funeral for someone in the community, and, and someone attended that funeral, and, and their pastor attended that funeral as well. So, uh, so anyway, I'm not going to give any names, but anyway, so I'm down front, funeral's like done, and, and I'm greeting family and praying with people, talking with people, we're down front, you know, people are coming down, that whole deal. Lady walks down, and her pastor was standing near me. And I overheard the conversation. When you're ADD, you know what goes on all around you. You know, we can be in a restaurant, and they're like, hey, Dad, what's going on at that table? I said, I can tell you what's going on at that table. And I'll tell them. And I know. And so uh, <laughs> inquiring minds want to know. And so anyway, so there's this, this lady comes down, and she, she stops, and she looks at her pastor and says, man, I'm so worried I may not be saved. I'm so concerned I may not be going to heaven. And he looks at her and he calls her by name. And he says, oh, oh, wait a minute. Remember that day in my office? You prayed the prayer? She goes, but I haven't done anything godly in 15 years. I haven't been to church. He goes, but remember that day you prayed the prayer? You're good to go. You're good to go. Don't worry about it. He didn't even care enough to sit down with her and say, why do you have these feelings? What is going on in your life? Did you really come to a point to where you accepted Christ and there was a transformation? Listen, let me tell you something. Salvation is not based upon what we do. It is based upon what has been done for us on the cross. But when there's a change, the do flows out of the done. And things begin to change in your life. So there's this issue of false security that is just so dangerous. There's an issue of conditional security. That's to where you can believe one day you're saved and the next day you're not. One day you're in the family of God, the next day you're out. But based upon people believing that there is something that you can do, a rule that you broke, a ritual that you broke, something that you did that all of a sudden one day you're in the family and and the next day you're out. But Hebrews chapter 6 tells us the problem with that is those churches that will teach that say, well, even if you lose your salvation, no worries, you can come back. But Hebrews 6 says even if you could lose your salvation, you couldn't come back because Christ would have to die again. So there's false security. There's conditional security. And then there's biblical security. There's eternal security that you and I can have assurance that we have eternal life. False security, the most dangerous. Conditional security, you will just not live a life of freedom. You'll live a life of guilt. So let's look at the two. Let's look at the things that we say or what we say when we believe in conditional security because really and truly when we look at conditional security, it says more about us than it says about. It says more about God than it says about us. Watch this. The first thing that happens when we believe in conditional security is this, is that I have a God that does not have a firm hold on my life. I have a God for what, that you know what? He's really not, he's really not that powerful. He really isn't sovereign. 
He really doesn't have a firm hold on my life. Look at this, John 10, 28, 29. And Jesus gives three assurances of salvation and eternal security here. Watch what he says. He says, I give them eternal life. Who gives eternal life? He does. I give them. I give them eternal life. Another assurance. And they'll never perish. If these were not true, Jesus could have not have, never have said them. Assurance number one, I give eternal life. Assurance number two, when you have eternal life, you will never, never perish. And, and, but that's, that's like he keeps going. And no one will snatch you or snatch them out of my hand. No one means your neighbor and you. No one means no one. You're a person, right? I give eternal life. When you have eternal life, you'll never perish. And no one, no one can snatch you out of the Father's hand in the NIV as I remembered it but, or memorized it. Verse 29, my Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and, and so here we go again. And so I, I've taught you that in the Greek language, there are no punctuation marks, right? And so the way that they would, would, would emphasize a point would be repeated. And so Jesus is like, okay, so you guys, if, if you didn't get it the first time, here, let's, let, let's, let's make another run at it. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. There is no God like our God. That he is powerful. He is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hands. Jesus gave them great assurances of eternal life and salvation. And, you know, when we started this series out together, I told you that you cannot take a spiritual question and answer it with human logic. And sometimes... We have trouble with unconditional love. Maybe we've never seen it in this, on this earth. And in fact, is we've never seen it to the level that God has unconditional love for us. And so let me just caution you. Man, those other thoughts are in your head. Whether it comes out of guilt. Whether it comes out of hurt. Whether it comes out of unforgiveness whether it comes from human logic be able to discern the voice of God this says when you are in Christ when you have salvation no one can snatch you out of my hand second thing about this issue of Conditional salvation, it says that I have a sal salvation based upon works of the flesh. It's, it's something that I do. And what that list is and when you obtain it, I don't know. But it's just, it's just something that, that I do. And, and uh, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For grace you have been saved through faith. And then here we go. And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no man can boast. 
Can you imagine what heaven would be like? If we worked our way to heaven, we're up there bragging, how'd you get your salvation? Well, this is what I did. It's not of works. But the dew that flows out of the done is evidence that there's a transformation in your life. Another thing about this issue of conditional security, what it says is this, is that I have a faulty view of grace. I, just, I don't understand grace. I, grace is this. Grace is God giving us what we don't deserve. And so I just have this faulty view of grace. And Romans 5, 8 says, But God shows his love for us in that while still sinners. And Christ died for us. The issue of conditional grace or conditional security says another thing as well. Uh, number four, it says, I have a religious heritage of guilt and bondage. That I grew up and I have a spiritual background that was steeped in guilt and bondage. And I never felt like I measured up. I never felt like I was good enough. I never felt like I was acceptable. You know there's entire denominations built on this one thought, right? That they use guilt and they use bondage to try to control you. And that'll work for a short time, right? Luke eleven forty six. Jesus is talking and, he's, and he says, he says, uh, Woe to you, you lawyers also, for you load people with burdens hard to bear. In the, in, in the Greek, that means taking a backpack that is so weighted that you yourself can hardly carry. And you take that backpack and you place it on someone smaller or weaker than you. And you watch them crumble without even trying to help them. And Jesus said there's Pharisees, the religious leaders of their day, that are controlling people and heaping bondage and guilt on them that they themselves cannot carry. And watch this. And you yourselves do not touch the burdens with one of your fingers. In other words, you don't even help them. You don't even care about The Pharisees were famous in the New Testament about, about adding to Scripture like with their legalistic rules and regulations and, and they came up with their rules and regulations. fact is they would help people understand things you could or couldn't do on the Sabbath. Um, a tailor uh, could not take and keep a needle or a straight pin in, in his lapel because that would constitute work. Um, they, they, they regulated the number of steps someone could take. They reg- regulated when, when meals were prepared before the Sabbath. And you know that stuff still goes on today. I mean, when we were in Israel, um, we took a group to Israel, and we were there on, on, on the Sabbath. And you know what? They're still doing it today. I mean, the meals that we had in Israel on the Sabbath were leftovers at the restaurant from the day before because they couldn't cook because that would constitute work, and they'd be breaking the Sabbath. Uh, the elevators, when you walked into a hotel, you'd have two banks of elevators. And so the elevators were put on automatic. And so one bank would have a word odd and then the other bank even. And so one bank, you'd just get in the elevator. You didn't have to do anything. The doors closed and it just stopped at all the odd numbered floors. You'd be in an elevator forever. I mean, we're in this huge hotel. You just, And then you'd get in the other bank if you had an even floor. And so you'd get in it and you'd wait because... This constituted work to them. I thought that was a lot easier than walking 12 flights of stairs. 
But there's whole groups and whole denominations built. Listen, God wants you to live a life. Man, please understand this. God wants you to live a life that responds to him out of love. For what he has done for us. I mean, he wants it to flow out of you. We have free will. And he wants us to take that free will. Yes, it's been done for us, but the, but the do has to flow out of the done. How many of us will celebrate when we, when we load a dishwasher and we push the button to, 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 and then we start celebrating? Well, you might if your husband loaded the dishwasher without you, know, without you telling him. Or you might if a child does that. But nobody sits around and puts dishes in a dishwasher, pushes, pushes the button, and then starts celebrating that the dishwasher is cleaning the dishes. Or the vacuum cleaner. Nobody stands around and celebrates when a vacuum cleaner is sucking dirt and trash off the floor. Why? Because it's a machine. It, it has to do that. It has to do that. It is a machine. But... When your teenager loads the dishwasher without even being asked because they want to help you, because they love you, it means everything to you as a parent, right? If a husband, without even being asked, loads the dishwasher, hits the button, and you walk in, and the dishes are getting clean. You will celebrate probably in what he did. Why? He has free will. He didn't have to. Now, if you take your children and, and tell them that you have to clean the dishes, you have to do the dishes, and they do that, you don't really celebrate in that. Why? Because you're just doing what I told you. You're doing what I made you to do. Listen, we have free will. And God wants us to respond to him out of love and out of devotion. He wants, it to, he wants it to flow out of us. See, the works, the things that we do, flows out of a changed life. It's proof that there's a change that has taken place on the inside. That's why in John 7, 38, Jesus says, Whoever believes in me, as the Scriptures has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. The do always flows out of the done. What is flowing out of you? Is there evidence that there's rivers of living water flowing out of you, that you're living a life in devotion to him, in following him because of what he has done for you in your life? So that's believing in conditional security. How about believing in biblical eternal security? It says a few things. The first one it says is this. It says that I know how to receive a gift, that I understand how to receive a gift. I understand how to receive a gift because Scripture says that it is a free gift, right? Salvation is a gift, not of work, so that no man, no woman can boast that it's like this free gift. But there are person, people, and maybe you know them, that they have trouble with a free gift, right? You ever, and maybe you're like this. You ever give the gift to that person and you give them a gift and, and maybe it wasn't even for a birthday, maybe it was just to tell them you loved them and you cared for them and you gave them a gift and they felt like they had to go out and buy you a gift at least as expensive as the gift that you gave them to pay you back? You, you ever known someone like that or you give them a thank you note and so they give you a note, thank you for the thank you note because they had to show that they appreciated you? Or you give someone a gift for Christmas and they didn't get you a gift and so you get them a gift and now they feel like they got to give you a gift because you got them a gift? 
You know what, you know what that comes out of? At the core, at the root? You feel like you're worthy. For some of us, the reason we have trouble with salvation is a free gift and we don't earn it and we don't work for it is this. Feel unworthy. We don't know how to receive a free gift. I mean, Hebrews 10.10 says, I'm sorry, Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Listen, in in Houston, Texas, I had a youth at risk ministry that I did for a number of years. We We rented out a racquetball center in our area. And it was a youth. It was a ministry to youth at risk, and so that meant that I had predominantly new, uh, middle school kids, but I did have high school kids. They met with me every Tuesday night. Uh, we did worship. We did a Bible study, and then we gave them free reign of the of the racquetball center. Now all of these kids came out of gangs in our area. So we had the Crips, the Bloods, the Little Latin Kings, and we had several other gangs that we put all together for one night. It was insane. I mean, I've got a lot of stories, and so when they came in. We took all their colors. They weren't allowed to fly their colors because the ground is level at the cross. We're going to learn how to accept each other, especially for a couple of hours. And so we would pack that place out with these kids. We had kids accepting Christ. It's the first time I ever baptized someone in, in, a, in a hot tub. They had a, it was awesome. They had like this hot tub in, in, the, in the atrium or the front part of, of, the, of, the, of the racquetball center. And we just had one of those nights. A lot of kids accepted Christ, and we started talking about it. And we just baptized them right there. I mean, we had people gathering around and watching. I mean, it was just awesome. But one night we had James that showed up. It was James's first time to ever come uh, to, to our meeting. And James was a 21-year-old high school freshman. In Texas, you could, you could stay in high school up to the age of 21. And then after your 21st birthday you, and the school year was over, you had to leave. And James pulled up, 21-year-old freshman, Drove a Mercedes, cause, so you know what he he led the Crips in our area, and I knew who he was, and and uh, when he came in, and so he came in, and and it had been one of those nights that on the way to, to the to the meeting, I stopped and I just bought a bunch of pizza, and I I did that a lot, and so because these kids. Uh, some would come hungry, and they didn't really have anyone that cared for them. And so I just bought a bunch of pizzas. And so James walks up to me and says, "Yo, uh, who bought the pizza?" And I said, uh, "Why?" He goes, "Because uh, I need to know." And I, I says, "Why does it matter?" He says, "I need to know." And I says, "Why well, I bought the pizza?" And he goes, "Why well, I need to pay you for my pizza?" I says, "No, you're not paying me for the pizza. This this is a free gift. I I just want to do well. Nobody's ever done anything like this for me." Yeah, I, I've never, I never remember celebrating a birthday where a mom or a dad even bought me a birthday present. Nobody, what do you want? James, I don't want anything. I just, I just want to feed you pizza. In fact, is, James, it wasn't just for you. I didn't even know you were going to be here tonight. I mean, I mean it's, a, it's a free gift. I just, he goes, well, I'm not eating it unless I pay. And I said, well, don't eat. You're not paying. This is a free gift. And James later on accepted Christ. He was the first one I baptized in, like, the whole deal. And so... But anyway, so uh, we went through the night. Well, a couple of nights later, a couple of weeks later, 
we had a problem in a Suburban that we drove, and we had a radiator that leaked, and, and it overheated and, like, melted the engine. And so I needed a new engine. And I was pretty fired up. I was mad when I went to the, to the, to the group with the kids. And so I'm telling them about, I'm just so fired up mad that i got to buy a brand-new engine for this Suburban. And, I mean, it's like a lot of money. And so after it was over, because after it was over, James comes up to me and says, Hey, where's your Suburban? And now... They didn't know where I lived because of some of the danger and some of the things that we dealt with in that meeting. Uh, there was a, a pager system. When they needed me, they called me. They didn't know where I lived. They didn't know anything about my family. They didn't have my phone number, anything like that. My number was unlisted just because of some of the things that we de- dealt with. And so I says, well, why do you ask? He says, where's your Suburban? And I go, it's at my house. We had it towed to my house, and, and tomorrow I'll have it towed to the shop. He goes, well, where do you hang your mailbox? I'm like, why? He goes, well, here's what we'll do. My homies will show up tonight. We'll steal your Suburban. (laughs) And we'll part it out tonight. I mean, we'll steal it. We'll part it out. Uh, It'll be in so many pieces. We'll sell it. It'll be gone. They will never find it. We will never get caught. And then here's what you do. You just turn it in on insurance. You make money. We make money. Everybody's happy. Now, James is dead serious. And I go, James, you cannot do that. And James looks at me and says, Charlie, I think you have a problem accepting a gift. (laughs) Yes, an illegal gift, I do. He could not understand why I wouldn't accept it. And we talked, listen, there are some people that reason you struggle with salvation is you have problems accepting a free gift. No, I've got to earn it. I've got to work for it. I've got to deserve it. Listen, there's nothing. We, the price that he paid is so great. There is nothing that we can do to earn it. There is nothing that we can do to deserve it. It is a free gift. The do always flows out of the done. When you and I understand what Christ has done for us, and there's been this transformation then rivers of living water begins to flow, and our life is never the same. We live life totally different. I read a survey this, la- this last week, and it was just so sobering to me about a five-year study trying to find out the distinctive differences between those that were professed Christians and those that were non-believers. You know what they found? There's basically none. What? Now, I know they may not have surveyed Bible-believing Christians that were serious about their faith, and I understand how surveys are done. Fact is, do you know the only distinctive difference they really found was what they do on Sunday morning? Other than that, their sex life was just the same as the lost person. Their TV viewing habits, their computer viewing habits, the sites that they go to, basically the same. They make decisions, even though they're professed believers, they make their decisions the same way that a lost person would. They handle their business, they handle their ethics, they handle their family. Do you realize the only thing they found of the distinctive difference that they went to church? False security is dangerous. 
It's a free gift. But when we accept that gift, when a transformation has taken place, there are things that we do, not out of guilt, not out of bondage. We do by our free will because the change that has occurred in our, in our life. Believing in our internal security also says that I'm confident with Christ's his sacrifice that what he has done for me was enough that he took my sin and he was the perfect sacrifice and because of his sacrifice and because of my relationship with him I can have eternal life And my life radically changes. The way I handle my relationships and the way I handle my my marriage and the way I handle my, my hobbies and my free time and all of that other stuff changes. Fact is, my priorities begin to change. I have a different set. I know this isn't good English, but I have a different set of want to's. Why? Because of my relationship with him. There's seven things as I went through scripture, and I'm going to give you some homework. There's seven things as I went through scripture that will give you and I greater confidence in eternal security. And fact is, if some of these are absent in your life, it will cause you to doubt. And so let me, I'm not going to read you all the verses they're in. We're going to fill in your blanks so you can take them with us. And I'm going to give you some instructions. And I'm not going to read all these scriptures to you. But 1 John was written with this idea of helping people understand how to know that you have a relationship with Christ. Because the scripture teaches that God wants you to know. The, the third thing is this, and let me just give it to you briefly, is you claim God's word. And God wants you to know. Here's what he says in 1 John 5, 13. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. God wants you to know that you know that you know. That is possible. You should be able to walk out of here today if you don't already have it and have confidence that you have eternal life. So here are the seven things that I'm going to ask you to look at this next week. The first one is this. The reason that sometimes we have difficulty with, with lack of confidence in this area is, is, is seven lifestyles to build spiritual confidence. The first one is this. Do you have a desire to walk like Christ? Is that even a desire in your life? I mean, I mean, you may say, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm a Christian. But do you have a desire? A follower means a disciple, a learner. Do you have a desire to make decisions and choices? Do you have a desire to live like Christ? Here's another one. Do you have a desire to even obey his word? And that would mean that you have to read his word. Or do you build a God based upon your logic and your arrogance? And you've created a God in your image. This is who I believe God is. Logically, this is who God is. And I will not submit myself to his authority or anybody's authority. Do you have a desire to obey his word, to open it and to read it. That's why we life journal here. Here's another one that will build confidence or a question you can ask. Do you have a love for the believers? 
Do you love believers? Do you even know the people you go to church with? Do you even join with them in life groups and build relationships and pray for them and encourage them and support them and help them? Are they all strangers to you? They're just faces to you. Do you have a love for believers? I ran into a guy a couple of weeks ago, and he says, he says, nah, I don't go to church. And I said, well, why not? And he goes, because I don't like believers. I like lost people. I know some lost people that are a lot nicer than believers. And he went through his list. And I'm like, dude, you're going to totally hate heaven. <laughs> That's all you got. Man, let me tell you something. Something that builds confidence do you love other believers or are you always judging them just as you say they judge you by saying they're hypocritical, they're mean, they're unloving? And, and, and your list, one of the identifying facts of a believer, I love other believers because we're in a family together. We're in this together. Um, here's another one. Do you have a desire to resist the world? I mean... Or do you just make decisions based upon the world's system and the world's philosophies? Do you have a, a desire to live life differently? You don't make decisions the same way that your lost friends. There's a distinctive in your life, and you follow God, and you follow his word. Here's another one. Do you have a desire to meet the needs of the hurting? Scripture says about other believers that if you, if you hate your brother, how can you say the love of the Father is in you? Another one says that if you see that your neighbor is in need and you turn your head, how can you say that the love of the Father is in you? How do you respond when, 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 when the offering comes by? That's a need we have every week. Saturday, we changed oil for over 40 single moms in our community that could not afford to change oil if it hadn't have been for this church. We fed them. We ministered to them. Do you realize every time you give, you're spreading the gospel? Every time you give, you're meeting needs? And he says, how can the love of the Father be in you if you just turn your head and say, that's for someone else to do? I don't even believe in that stuff. Man, I'll tell you, we don't even have time to talk about it, but every, every financial problem that you have, is a spiritual issue. And there's a spiritual solution. A sense of his spirit will build confidence. It says his spirit will bear witness with your spirit. He wants you to know that you know that you know. Scripture says that his spirit will bear witness with your spirit. And he will illuminate the things of Scripture. The last thing is this. An unrest with personal sin. It doesn't mean any of us are perfect. But are you just totally good with that habitual sin that's in your life? Is there like no conviction? If there, is there nothing in your spirit? And I'm not talking about guilt. Guilt is of the enemy. Guilt is general. Conviction is specific. Do you have an unrest with personal sin in your life to where you know it doesn't honor God. And let me ask you this morning, do you have confidence of eternal life? 
This series all the way through it, we've been playing for keeps. And I've been up front, honest, and just giving you what the Bible says. Do you have false security? Some of you this morning. Salvation is not by some religious rite, some religious ritual. It is accepting what has been done for you. And there's a transformation that occurs in your life. Some of you this morning, you just need to accept him. You need to ask him to come into your life, forgive you of your sins, and start a relationship with him. Some of you, you may have already done that. Next week, if you have never been biblically baptized, we have a baptism weekend. We're going to baptize a lot of folks. You can let us know by the Connect cards and other ways, but we would love to include you in on that. Because that's the first thing that God told us that we should do after meeting him. Follow me in believer's baptism. And maybe this morning, you've been doubting your salvation. And when I pray, you need just to ask God, give you the assurance of where you're going to spend eternity. This life is temporal. At best, you're going to get 70, 80, 90 years. That's at best. Do you know that you know that you know where you'll spend eternity? Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? What is God saying to you this morning? What decision does God want you to make? Has he been trying to get your attention and you've been ignoring him? Well, today's the day. If you've never accepted him, to biblically accept him, ask him to come into your life, forgive you of your sin, and give you the gift of eternal life, and start a journey with him. Maybe you need to follow him in believer's baptism. Maybe right now, silently to yourself, you just need to ask him, God, where do I stand with you? Maybe you just need to make a commitment that this week, there's seven things that builds spiritual confidence. I'm going to take one a day. I'm going to read the scripture. I'm going to pray. And I'm going to see where I'm at. Just a few minutes, I'm going to pray. And after I pray, we're going to stand. And I have no doubt there's many of you that need prayer here this morning for all different types of reasons. It may be a good thing that you're trying to discern a decision or, or direction from the Lord. It may be a medical issue. It may be a financial issue. It may be a spiritual decision that you need to make, whether you need to accept him or whether you need to follow him in believer's baptism. Let me just ask you this morning, don't let any barriers be in this place. Would you just respond to him this morning as he has called and prompted your heart?